Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. Got a great show planned for you. Uh, I wanted to open up by talking about something that has been, <laughs> oh, you know, again, I, I, I track the trends. I pay attention to what's coming into my clinical practice. We look at the DMs on our Loveline IG page where you also you know, beautifully post questions, topics, and um, kind of taking it all into account, looking at stories in the news, and really hit a lot of these topics based on that. And one of the things that I was talking a lot with clients in my private practice the past couple of weeks was um, the way we go about and enter relationship seeking. We, um, I, I talked a few times about this great article that was dropped that was saying we have the, you know, I've been talking extensively about how we're in the highest rate of singledom. And that's because people are delaying relationships, leaving unhealthy ones, a lot of divorces happening and all that's a good thing. People are like, what do you mean? People are single. People are leaving marriages. Yeah. Because they're no longer staying in toxic relationships. People are finally stepping up for themselves, not feeling trapped, uh, delaying things, focusing on education and joy and fun. But the explosion of single men is not a good thing. It's because women are no longer and other, you know, men that date men are no longer willing to be in relationships that aren't healthy. And men, it's really rooted in hetero men. Hetero men aren't willing to do the necessary work to be a better partner. Uh, some of that's, you know, damage has been done to them. You know, as men, we have been socialized into a very toxic world and toxic masculinity and patriarchy helps men, but also hurts them. And we haven't been given good role models. And I still always talk about on the show how there's still bad dating advice about playing games and being manipulative. And that's what's so hurtful to me is a lot of guys are, are victimized by a lot of the advice that's out there. And yes, of course, I'm acknowledging that a lot of men just don't have an interest or willingness to do the work and they aren't great. And there's a lot of narcissism out there, but there are a lot of really great men that are victimized by following general advice and counsel, which is always gendered and often really problematic where again, a lot of men are taught that we have to chase women, catch women, that we have to be threatened by other men, that dating is competitive. And also this idea that we should play games and be manipulative and don't show weakness or don't show interest and don't act too committed and wait a lot of time before you text back and ask them out. And like all this horrible messaging, which moves everyone away from just truth and authenticity and health. It's like, dear God in heaven, please let go of all of that. If you like someone, let them know interested people like signs of interest, period. If someone likes you, they're happy you asked them out right away. They are happy you texted them right away. We are always either dating from authenticity and health, or we're dating from game playing and manipulation, period, end of story. 
And if you have to manipulate or play a game to get someone, then you aren't a match and you aren't compatible and you're setting up a really unhealthy dynamic, which you better maintain in order to keep them because you haven't gotten them based on chemistry and compatibility and in real ways that speak to sustainability. Stop with the games. We want to soften that and we want to be just more authentic in our movement towards. So in, in service and in keeping with that idea, um, we also need to, and this is what I was talking about in my, in my practice a lot is we need to get out of our own way. Um, we are, we are going about dating with the wrong lens and we are focusing on the wrong elements. <laughs> we are not focusing on the elements that actually speak to or indicate whether or not this person is right for us to be in a relationship with. We are thinking not surprisingly in, 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 in perspectives that come from like optimization culture where we want the best in materialism and ego, where we focus on what will it look like? What will other people think this idea that there's an imaginary audience judging and assessing us and that our worth is tied to what our partner looks like. And we're focusing too much on form and the quality and happiness and health of your relationship is not determined by form, what they look like, how tall they are, how much money they make, what they own. It's about what happens when these two people come together. It's more about the relationship. What relationships are about the relationship. Yeah. Imagine that. And that the form of the person doesn't matter. Yeah. Imagine that. But we get hung up on those factors. So am I saying date people and marry people you're not attracted to? No, quite the opposite date, have sex with, and marry people that you're attracted to, 100%. But don't get in your own way by seeing that as one way only. We all are a lot more expansive in what we're interested in and turned on by and might have chemistry for than we allow because we get hung up on so many different arbitrary limits. And we're not going to unpack all of them, but we're just going to acknowledge, I'm going to talk about this when we come back in a more specific way. Cause a lot of people are like, okay, great on all the theory, but like, what does that literally look like? I gotcha. We're going to unpack all that, but I just want to kind of lay the foundation philosophically, which is we're going about it wrong and we're focused on the wrong stuff. And I'm still seeing it happen. And I've written about this in my books. I talk about it here on love line, talk about it in my practice, but it, but it needs, it needs us to circle back and hit it a little bit more. So I'm going to come back and hit that, and then we're going to bounce onto a topic uh, more more general to mental health and uh, things to think about and consider and all that because, woof, what a year. <laughs> so if you've got a question for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. want to hear from you. Questions, topics you want to sit, things you want us to circle back to, drop deeper in. Always anonymous, always confidential, helping others as you're helping yourself. And isn't that the path to success? It sure is. Lifting as we climb. Ah, yes. And then past episodes of the show, always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, and click on that bad boy. You can post, re-listen, share. Got to build that stuff in there. Got to rebuild a better psyche. Um, caffeine's crack-a-lacking, though, so we got a lot more to come. Don't y'all go anywhere. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. 
And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right we're back i love punchy teases struggling with love not finding what you want in the dating world you might be the problem and in fact it's very possible you are now as i've said (laughs) We're not doing dating in a vacuum. We are up against the health culturally and in the individuals we're talking to. Remember, everything's contextualized. People are the way they are because of the culture that they are living within. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, That doesn't let someone off the hook, but it helps us understand why we are the way we are. Look at the world we're living in. There are people that are still coming into my office saying, oh, well, aren't guys supposed to? And I'm like, stop. The, all, the same expectations are on all of us. And they'll think, yeah, but I don't want to act too interested or come on. And I'm like, oh my God, this is about showing interest. Please show interest. Please be vulnerable. What are you doing? Playing a game? Ah, yes, we've been trained. We've been trained to play games. Don't show interest too soon. Don't let someone know you like them. Ah, manipulation and game playing. Let's go the other route. Let's be authentic. Hey, I like you. Do you want to hang out again? No one who's interested in someone has ever been turned off, turned off by such a comment, except for people that like to play games. Interested people like signs of interest. There's never, there's no such thing as too soon if the person's interested in you. But that's not my point. My point is that when we're dating online, we are given qualities that would work if we're shopping for shoes or a shirt. How long is the shirt? What's the color? What's the fit like? We can purchase items based on those searchable qualities because our relationship with and to those items and what happens when we're with them isn't a real thing, doesn't matter, and doesn't exist. It is nothing more than its form. All shoes need to do is to be the size they claim they are and to be the color it looks like, and we're good to go. But with human beings, what matters more is not the form, it's the experience of being with them, aka the relationship. The most important parts of a relationship are the relationship. What is it like when you're with them? What do you co-create? But when we're online dating, we don't have access to that because that's not possible. We don't know what it's like to be with someone until we're with them. 
But we are then left making the decision about who we're going to give an opportunity to, to see what it's like to be with them and what the relationship is like. We can only make that decision based on what's provided, which are a few key elements, what their form is, how tall, how much they weigh, and then also the few things they can tell us about who they are. But that's just what they think they are. That's just maybe what they are most interested in. But we can't actually make decisions based on that. So if someone says something like, I'm very outdoorsy, which for someone like me would horrify me. I don't like the outdoors. I don't like the heat. I'm an urban city guy. I've lived in New York City, Philly, LA. And when I travel the world, yes, I go to islands at times, but I really like city environments, the food, the culture, the art, the music, the architecture. So on paper, if someone said I'm very outdoorsy, I would ideally, not ideally, I would, I would, um, if I wasn't aware of myself and in this work, I might think not a match. They're outdoorsy, I'm indoorsy, not a match. But that's not a real thing. No one is outdoorsy, no one is indoorsy. That might be what I prefer, it might be a preference, that might be where I spend more of my time, but I do actually leave the house. And people that are outdoorsy do actually enter indoor spaces. And someone who's outdoorsy might be very happy and willing to go see art and music and concerts and all of those things, but would also at times want to spend time outdoors. But I don't really know how flexible those qualities are. I don't know what those qualities look like. I don't know why they're doing that, but yet I'm challenged to make a decision based on that. We can't and we shouldn't. So am I saying we shouldn't have anything in our bio? On In one world, yes. Because I don't know why that person is writing what they're writing. I don't know how flexible they are around that. I don't know what else they'd be interested in if introduced to interesting things. That's just a starting point. And yet we'll make decisions about what's possible with that person based on that, based on the fantasy we have of what that one quality that they listed means. And again, if someone decided based on me saying, I like art, I like concerts, I like architecture, I like movies. If they based on that said, wow, this person's indoorsy, not a match, they would also be wrong because I actually do like hiking. And I like the beach at certain times and in certain ways. And, and I do like nature and I actually do like kayaking. It's just not my preference or not my first go-to. And so I wouldn't think to put that in my bio, but yet I might be ruled out because I can't literally write nothing. So we do look for key statements about commonality, but I think that we don't, I think that that's what fouls us up is we're too focused on what is compatible and not open. Let me say it differently. We're, we're, we date from a perspective of looking for why it might not work. And even though when we're looking for things in their bio that speak to who we are, and we might want to think that that's a sign of us looking for what does work. We're actually coming from a position of trying to rule people out from the position of looking for what might not work or what we think might be a problem. And that's what we're making decisions based on. And that is the wrong way to go. We should look for what might work. And we don't know that until we spent time with them. So base it. Don't take these hard searchable qualities that work when you're looking for a product like shoes or a shirt, where it's just about the form. Don't use those to make a decision about the person. So then you're saying to me, well, then what do we do? Here I am on the app. There's a picture of a person in a bio and you're telling me, ignore whether they write their indoorsy or outdoorsy, ignore whether they like sports or don't, because those qualities don't define a person's total self and people might be willing to do other things. And often they're more than just that, but this is just who they see themselves to be. And we can only put a few things. So then you might say, what do we make that decision based on? Well, let me complicate it even more by saying those are about 
traits and interests. The other part that leads us astray is when we look at their things like height, weight, and income. Did you know that only 15% of men, 15, the number is actually a little bit lower, about 14, 14 and a half percent, but let's go with 15%. Only 15% of men are six feet or above. And yet people will have a height requirement. And I'll say to them, well, the dating pool's already a certain size. It's a certain percentage of the total population. So it's smaller than the total population. Now you want to rule out anyone who isn't this magical height you've made up that you think they need to be like six foot. So now we're down to 15% of the population. We're actually 15% of the dating pool. So you've kicked out 85% of people. What are we left with? 15. Okay. Well, what other qualities? And now we're narrowing it down to a smaller, smaller percentage. We're going to come back and talk more about this. Stick around, y'all. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, we're back. And I'm going to land the airplane. Getting a little long-winded. But I was basically talking about the fact that all the things we have access to to try to determine who might be a match and who we should date lead us astray. There's a list of searchable qualities, the things that they're interested in, even though people do things outside of that, people contradict that. They might be open to doing more if they met the right person. But all they can itemize is what they do right now as a single individual in the world. And we make powerful decisions about whether or not we want to go on a date with them based on it. And it's not smart. It's not smart. And you might say, well, wait a minute, if I'm really outdoorsy, why would I want to, why would I want to date someone who comes off or says they're indoorsy? Because you both are indoorsy and outdoorsy. I don't know anyone who just doesn't ever leave the house. And I don't know anyone who refuses to ever be within some kind of structure. You know, when we date, we, we are with people that are going to introduce us to new elements in the world. Um, you might not be a big movie fan, but if your partner loves movies, I'm sure you'd go with them to see it. Okay. So we have to assume and, and, and understand that there's a flexibility. So I want us to ignore some of those things that people write in their bio. And I want people to write in their bio the most expansive concepts. And then we also limit ourselves based on these attributes that don't matter, like their height, their weight, their income. I really want you to say, if I'm looking at this photo of the person in front of me, if I find them attractive and I feel drawn to them, let me match with them and let me actually put time and energy into the dating process, which takes time and energy. There is no magic algorithm. We know through research, there is no algorithm that a dating coach, a sex therapist, or an app has that can help you determine who you're going to be a match with. It is an experiential thing. You have to get in real time with them to see. There is no algorithm. Even though people will claim, we have an algorithm, we're going to be felt these questions. No, it doesn't work like that. It's about the right things being there. And it's about having the right um, things in common, things not in common. It's, it's bigger than what we can quantify. So if you find someone attractive, take the time to go out and see who they are. And also knowing that the first date, we're a little anxious and we're going to try to be liked. The second date, we're going to loosen up a little bit more and more truth's going to come forward. The third date, even more so. When in doubt, go out again. When in doubt, go find out. That is how you win at this. But if you're going to try to play it safe because you're like, I only, you know, time is money and I don't have all the time in the world, you're already entering it with the wrong perspective. You're anxious, you're wanting assurance, and it doesn't work like that. Dating is messy and it takes time. And all you should be operating off of, I'm looking at them, they're attractive to me, I feel drawn to them. I'm going to give them time to see what happens when we come together. What do we co-create? Who they were with another date is not who they'll be with you. It doesn't work like that. So we cannot assess based on any factor that anyone could write into their bio on an app, whether or not they'd be a good match for us because people's self-report is not reliable. And we tend to shrink down all the different things that we are and all the different things that we're willing to do to a few qualities based on just loose preferences. So ignore that. Oh yeah, ignore that because you don't know. People will then go on their IG. 
I don't know what made them post those photos, but they've done tons of things that they didn't post photos of. How often are they posting? Are they only posting when they're doing certain things? That isn't a true indication as to what their life looks like. It just isn't. But yet people make decisions about that. They're too social. They party too much. I don't know. Maybe those photos were posted just once a year, or maybe they're only posting when they're out with a lot of people and it looks like they're partying all the time. That's my point. You don't know. You have to take the time to go find out and you have to take the time to see them again and again. When in doubt, go find out. But if you're looking for reassurance and you think time is money and I don't have all the time in the world, well, then you're not right for dating because dating isn't about perfection or optimal. It's about, it's sloppy, it's circular, it's not perfect, it's not linear, and it's about taking time, putting time and energy into it. No dating coach can find you perfect like that. I watch some of these shows and the dating coach is sitting there with no training in interpersonal neurobiology, no training in relationality, no training in the research as to what is present with long-term couples as evidenced by the fact that they're like, what are you looking for? He needs to be this height, this kind of skin tone, this kind of job. Those aren't the qualities that help us know whether or not someone will be a match or help us know what a relationship would be like with that person. Again, those are rooted in form and the success and happiness of a relationship is not about the form of the individuals in the relationship, their height, their weight, and all that. It's about what happens when they come together. It's about the experience of the relationship itself. There is no algorithm. We have to be willing to do the work and to get our hands dirty. So when in doubt, go out. When in doubt, give someone another shot. Dating is not a commitment to a relationship. Dating is not monogamy. There should be no anxiety going out a third time, a fifth time. You're not misleading someone if you're still open and curious. You're taking time to find out. Don't let someone pressure you or make you feel bad because you're casually dating to give it time, dating more than one person to see what's possible. That is the healthy way it should look. Don't rush because someone's anxious and you can't commit before you know them and you're not leading someone on by taking your time and finding it out and giving it time and space. In fact, I want you to do that. We have to have multiple experiences with someone to see what it would be like to be in a relationship with them. We can't make a decision based on a few experiences with them. It doesn't work like that. We have to actually get our hands dirty. So that's all I wanted to say on that one. And when we come back, we're gonna talk more about some mental health stuff but I needed to kind of make sure I got that out there. So I feel like I did my due diligence. I wanna make sure I'm always dropping the gems on y'all, sharing tips and tricks, because we get in our own way. And people get so hung up on letting their anxiety and ego drive dating and determining how they should choose or find a mate. And we're doing it wrong. Uh, like I said, when we come back, we're gonna do some DMs. Uh, questions, topics, things you want us to hit, put in the DMs on our Love and IG page, and then we'll be doing some mental health talk. But uh, past episodes, we are channelq.com. Scroll down, look for Love Line and click on it. Binge, post, re-listen and share. It's all about that repetition and practice. But uh, we'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, y'all. All right, y'all, we are back. And now it is time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Let's see what we got here. All right, this one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I had my first daughter. 17 years old, and we're very close. She just turned 15, and I can tell she's going to be a member of the LGBTQIA community. First off, no, you can't. <laughs> I want to be very thoughtful about that. Uh, I just want to hold space for the idea that just because a boy might not be as masculine as the others does not mean they're gay because how someone presents in terms of gender has nothing to do with their sexual orientation. Just because someone is presenting who's uh, assigned female birth as a little masculine and into sports and trucks doesn't mean lesbian. 
because the activities we're interested in and how we present in terms of gender, more masculine or more feminine, is very separate from our sexual orientation. I need to acknowledge that. There can be hetero men that are very effeminate and very soft. Those are not necessarily gay qualities. Those are human qualities that exist in everyone, and it can work in the inverse as well. So I just want to call that out. Unless this person has told you, this person, your daughter, that they're gay or queer or non-binary or whatever it is or trans, let's not assume. We should all, however, hold space for the idea that our child might be gay, queer, trans, or whatever it is, and speak to them as though that's possible. I will never support someone looking at the child that they've diagnosed as a male at birth because they had a penis and say, oh, do you have a girlfriend? We should say to everyone, do you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend? That's how we normalize the possibility of both. That's how we let this child know that we might, that we're supportive of both. I say that to everyone I encounter. Do you, have a, do you have a partner is what I say. I non-gender it. And if I'm talking to a man, I'll say, do you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend? If I'm talking to a woman, do you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend? But it's better to just say partner because I don't know. And I don't want people to have to come out. That's how we get rid of the closet. No one has to come out if we stop creating and maintaining a closet. And we do that by assuming everyone's straight until proven otherwise. We should be, we should be assuming nothing until shown. So we should be assuming you could be gay, you could be straight, you could be trans, I don't know. So that's why we're using more fluid languaging. Like, are you dating anyone? Do you have a partner? But assuming someone's heterosexual means they have to then come out to us, which is putting the burden on them to come out of the closet that we just created by assuming they're hetero. If we stop assuming people are hetero, then there's no closet anymore to come out of. So let's stop doing that. Back to your question. I really want to be supportive of her in this journey. Good. Stop making assumptions, but st still hold space. She's very close to her grandmom, but I know my grandmom's not a supporter of the community. Okay. So grandma's a homophobe and toxic. Got it. We argued about it for years. I'm really concerned that my daughter's first coming out interaction is going to be with my mom and that will cause some trauma to avoid that. Do you think I should address it with my daughter first or wait till she comes to me? I think it can be very traumatic for a parent to sit down and put that on a child who might not be gay at all or ready to come out as gay. Because even though your question's coming from a place of care, it's still saying, I want to bring her out of the closet the, the minute I sit down and pose this question. And that's not appropriate. It's not about you. So if it's really about your daughter, you wait for her to come out to you. And then you talk to her about the safety of coming out to other family members and how to deal with family members that are toxic and homophobes, you know, bigot family members. Um, but again, if you are like, okay, well, this Saturday in support of her, I'm going to ask her if she's gay. That is actually you saying this Saturday, I'm going to try to force her out of the closet, whether she's ready or not, whether she's confident in her identity or not, that can be traumatic. Let people be on their own path and they'll tell you when they're ready. What you can do in the meantime is normalize it though, by talking about the fact that gay people exist by saying, we don't know people have a boyfriend or girlfriend until they tell us by putting on shows that have gay characters, just start to round it out in your house and normalize it. And that will let your child know that you're okay with it. Just talk about it generally. You know, when you see it on the news, be like, I think that's really great. I think gay people should be with the partners of their choice. Just normalize it. Cause even if your kid isn't in the community, it's still important for them to know that that's how we should all be thinking. And what I do think you could do in the meantime is talk to your bigoted mother who's a homophobe and do that work anyway. Because even if your child's hetero, your grandmother's running around being toxic, your mom. So fix that. Check that. All right, y'all. We'll, we got more to come. 
don't go anywhere. These topics get me heated. Uh, if you've got a DM for us, though, question, uh, drop in the DMs on our Love Line G page. You're helping others as you're helping yourself. Always anonymous, always confidential. Also, put in there topics you want us to hit, things you want us to circle back to, drop deeper into. We love hearing from you. Put it in the DMs on our Love Line G page. And as always, past episodes are over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Love Line, and click on it. You can binge, post, re listen, and share. Stick around, though. We got more to come. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back. Going to talk a little bit about mental health. What is it? How do we work on it? How do we focus on it? Because what Love Line is a mental health show, all about entertainment, fun, tips, tricks, love, sex, dating, parenting, all sorts of stuff. But mental health is the core, the keystone. Um, it's really the basis upon which everything in our lives is rooted. And as I have said on a few shows, um, we're looking at the highest rate of singledom, and there's some research that's been dropped showing that there's more single men than single women. And on those apps, it's more men than women. And that's because people don't have the relational skills and uh, women are no longer willing to be part of relationships that aren't healthy or that are toxic. And they're like, I'd rather be on my own or give it more time. And um, that's a good thing. So guys, we got to step it up and we got to learn and we got to do better. But I want us to understand what better is. <laughs> it's a good, it's a, you know, it's not enough to just say do better. It's like, okay, well, can you help me figure out what that work looks like? So that's why on the show, I'm always trying to model and give a vision of like what it's supposed to feel like, look like, and what we're supposed to do. Um, so when we talk about mental health, you have to remember that um, our mental health is the result of a lot of different things. It's not as clean as it's your genetics or something off with your brain chemistry. Just take a pill and you'll be all right. Well, no, for most of us, it's actually environmental and social, meaning it's based on the worlds we're a part of, the life we're living, what's around us. It's a small percentage of people where it's really truly genetic. And even when it is quote unquote genetic, because maybe family members also have some of these issues. Um, remember with genes, it's it requires experiences for genes to have expression. The easiest, laziest, most watered down example is you might have the genetics, which means the potential. Genetics are about potential the probability, but it has to allow its expression somehow. It's genotype versus phenotype. Having the genes for something doesn't mean it will ever get expressed. So you might have the genes, AKA the possibility of being a piano virtuoso. Is that the right word? A piano prodigy. But what would happen if you were never sat before a piano? What happens if no one ever put you near a piano and you're never given piano lessons? Well, you would never know and that would never get expressed. You would, there's tons of people that would be piano prodigies, but never sat in front of a piano, never took lessons. So they'll never know because they didn't have the experience that would give and lead to the manifestation and expression and utilization of those possibilities. Mental health is the same way. The environment around us creates and causes or opens up what was possible. And so <clears throat> uh, I guess actually I have a stat right here. What is this one? Um, yeah, and also we know, uh, yeah, so here's the stat. About 30% of mental health disorders are related to genetic causes. 30%, that ain't much. Um, the rest of it's related to the environment that the individual is in from childhood and onward, and every relationship that they've had or are in now um, strengthens it, creates it, exacerbates it, heals it, waters it down, which is why I'm always advocating for us being thoughtful about 
our relationship to everything. How is my job maybe creating um, the manifestation of this mental issue or making it worse? How is the friend circle I'm running with leading to the expression or worsening of this mental health issue or healing? How is this person I'm dating or this marriage I'm a part of? That's called, what's the mental health impact? It's called focusing on mental health, which is what I'm always advocating for us doing. How's my mental health impacted by what's happening around me in all the different domains? Uh, because again, it's not enough to just assume it's my genetics. It's only about 30% of the case, maybe 40 max. Otherwise, it's everything else. And even if it is genetic, everything else helps heal it, loosen it, water it down, make it manageable, or the opposite. Makes it worse, amplifies. So we have to pay attention to that. And some people are like, oh, making connections. Also, um, if we're you know expanding beyond that, one thing I want everyone to remember is that part of the human experience is feeling, is feeling every emotion, feeling every emotion deeply. There's no such thing as bad emotions, but we've determined some to be bad, which means we feel bad when they're happening. And then we add another layer of suffering by saying we shouldn't be feeling this way. And then we immediately panic and think, I got to get rid of it. We can't be trying to get rid of every emotion. I shared a story a long time ago with y'all where I remember being with my mom and she was taking antidepressants and we were, she was having some depression because things in her life were happening that are worthy of creating depression. It was her depression was appropriate. Feeling depressed isn't a disorder or a clinical issue. That's part of living in the world. There's going to be depressing things at times. Someone had died in her life and as a result, she was depressed. That's fair, that's appropriate. And she was saying, oh, I guess my meds aren't working. And I was like, where did you get the idea that being on an antidepressant meant you would never feel depressed and that if you did, something was wrong and you need to change your meds. Meds, the role of meds aren't to make us never feel certain human emotions. They're not trying to make us a robot. I, we need, all need to understand that it waters down the severity so we can be a little more functioning and better handle all the emotions, but it doesn't remove them. There's no place in which in our brain, these emotions live that this medication can target and just pull it out of our head. It doesn't work like that while on meds or not on meds, you should still feel depressed or anxious or sad at times. That's called being a human. We aren't trying to be a robot. Mental health isn't the absence of certain emotions. It's the ability to feel all of them and feel them deeply and to manage it. Well, medications are so that you can water down some of the severity for those that need it. So you can work on the skill building of finding confidence in all emotions and learning how to manage them. So again, it's okay to be depressed. We just want to have the ability to manage it, the ability to make room for it and allow it as we go through our day, doing all the things we need to do. My work with clients around depression isn't just let's eliminate it. It's let's learn how to be in the world while still being depressed. We're going to go back and talk more. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. I'll tell y'all, I need to have a strong talking to whoever it was that started this idea that there's such a thing as bad emotions and that we should panic if we're feeling these so-called bad emotions and that the work of therapy or mental health is about getting rid of them and not feeling them. Mental health and the work of therapy is not about getting rid of depression. It's about learning how to live with depression at times, learning how to not be afraid of it because that's a normal, natural part of life as is, as is anxiety, learning how to manage and regulate it. That's going to happen. Medication's job isn't to remove that. That's not possible. Its job is to lessen the severity and make it more workable. So there are no bad emotions. 
Again, mental health is about whether you're feeling good or feeling bad, quote unquote, still living in the world in the way you want. And that's what I do in therapy. I can't promise we're going to get rid of this anxiety or, or, or depression. I'm going to help you learn how to manage it and how to still live in the world and live the life you want while those things are in existence because we can't be afraid of them because things in life will happen that are worthy of being anxious or depressed. Those are natural, healthy things. Emotions are there to protect us, but more importantly, to communicate something might be needed or something might be wrong. It's an alert system. We need it. We don't want to turn off all those lights in our car that tells us something's wrong. I want to know when my tires are low. I want to know when I need an oil changing. I want to know when something's wrong with the engine. But I don't. we don't want to panic when those things pop up. Those things are there to tell us something's wrong. We want to manage it, though. I don't want to be like, oh, my God, a light's on in my car, and I freak out. But that's what we do with emotions. If we're anxious, we're depressed, and we're like, oh, my God, and I shouldn't be. And it's like, no. We have to learn how to allow and make room. What is it communicating? What message is it giving us? Oh, I need to go to the car shop, get my oil changed. Okay. You know, because again, anxiety is about a catastrophizing of the possibility. Anxiety is about also not understanding the resources we have. We get anxious because we overestimate what's going to happen or what the outcome's going to be. We overestimate the probability of it happening and we underestimate the resources we have available to deal with it. It's kind of like the car example. Light goes on in your car. Okay, hold on. A catastrophe isn't coming. It's giving you a warning that you need to pay attention to something. Okay. The probability of it is just saying it might happen soon. It's not happening right now. Okay. And we have access to resources. Pull over, call AAA or drive to a car shop and get it fixed. And that's how we, that's how we work with that anxiety. Um, and so there are no bad emotions. We have to learn how to allow all of them. We don't want to amplify and we don't want to deny or suppress. We want to just allow. It's called the middle path. I talk about that all the time. It's okay to feel these emotions. It's okay to feel all of them. Alexithymia is a diagnosis for people that are disconnected from their emotions. I want people to feel everything. If we don't feel the bad, we also don't feel the good. We're either avoidant of emotional experience or we allow all of it. But this idea of medication in our American culture of fixing everything and always being optimal and toxic self-improvement culture where we always have to be resolving everything has gotten in the way of really understanding the role of emotions in our lives. Americans are like, if something's wrong or something feels off, fix it, fix it. Clients will call me, new clients. How many sessions until this is resolved? Boo, it doesn't work like that. This isn't surgery. Relationship, therapy is a relationship. It's a journey. We uncover, we learn tools. It's a process. But everyone comes into everything these days with wanting a quick, easy fix. And it doesn't work that way. A lot of people think therapy is just about venting and venting and venting and that that's the transformative element. No, it's not. It's therapy should be developmental where you're learning how to think about your thinking and work with your thinking, learning how to be better and work with your emotions takes work. It's like going to a personal trainer and saying, I don't really want to lift weights or break a sweat or do anything, but yet I want to be stronger and, and, and work on my bone density and flexibility. And the trainer's like scratching their head, like, no, every day you're going to have to be doing this plan. Same thing with therapy. It's work. But somehow people think I'm just going to sit comfortably in my room and just process and vent. And that's the transformative agent. And it's like, it's not, you can do this work without therapy, go into the world, allow your feelings, manage them. Don't dramatize and catastrophize. Don't water down and deny, allow, but lead and live from your value system. Be the person you want to be in the world while feeling and thinking what you're feeling and thinking. We were trying to get away from mood dependent behavior, doing things just because I felt that way. That's unhealthy people that are angry. So they throw a punch. That is not mental health. Mental health is I feel angry, but I act other than. I don't act from my anger. So it's making a fluidity around that. Um, I think this other point about mental health, because I'm pulling together a lot of different research, 
always updating my research, always looking at new perspectives, always looking at how things are changing and what needs addressing based on cultural, political moments, because that changes our psychology, what's going on politically, what's going on socially. And, you know, as I was talking on another show about how we used to forget or de-eroticize people in later years, and we didn't think we had to talk about safer sex with older adults because we de-eroticize them. We do that also with people with different abilities and different levels of intelligence. Um, we also have to talk about the impact of social media on older individuals. They are also impacted by the media that's around them. Um, the biggest issue is social comparison, where we compare ourselves to others and determine the worth of ourselves or our lives based on what we see other people doing. And we know that that's not real. We also just recently, you know, we're constantly learning about people that are photoshopping themselves into photos that are lying about where they're going, reposting old photos. People aren't even living the lives that they're claiming to lead, or they're only posting the exceptional moments. But because we see a lot of them back to back, we assume that they're always living exceptionally, but they're not. It's kind of like I was saying about dating. Don't make assumptions about the photos because you don't know when or how or what or if that's even them. Comparison culture with social media is quite a gnarly thing. Um, and we're spending more time on our phones. So, you know, again, that's really, really in there. But when, when you're trying to assess or even consider your own mental state, we definitely want to take all those pieces into consideration at all ages of our lifespan. Everything that's happening with the youth is also at some point happening with the adults and vice versa. So these are universal topics. Um, yeah, the social media thing will always be something I'll, I'll focus a lot on. It's quite profound, the impact that that has, um, especially even in the market. I was watching, I watched these news events about things that we're putting on our social media, how they're, you know, sinking or or elevating sales and and whatnot. It's such a fascinating phenomenon. It's It still boggles my mind because I always think back to how these things happened before we had social media. Because um, believe it or not, there are some people that have never lived in a world without it, but I have. I was around pre-cell phone pre-internet, pre-social media. It's wild to say that. It's really wild. It's wild to imagine that some people, again, don't know a world without of it. Without it. All right, y'all, we'll be back. We're gonna keep talking about mental health and then we'll be doing some DMs. So uh, got a question or a topic, put in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Otherwise, don't go anywhere. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris, Channel Q, and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, we're back and we're just finishing up our discussion about mental health. What is it? How do we get there? What's it supposed to look like? Because as I was saying in the earlier segments, which if you want to go back and listen, go to wearechannelq.com, scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. We were just talking about how um, we, got, we got the whole dating world wrong and it definitely ties into this mental health piece because we have a high rate of single men, more than we've ever had as a result of a lack of relational health, not good communications and people no longer being willing to be a part of these toxic relationships. So what is this mental health that we need to work on? Well, there's, you know, Loveland, I'm always giving us understandings of relational skills, sexual skills, communication skills, um, mental health, no bad emotions, man. We're trying to feel all of them, feel all of them deeply. We're not amplifying them. We're not denying them. We're just kind of sitting in the middle. We're not panicking when we feel these quote unquote bad emotions. There are no bad emotions and the work isn't about getting rid of them. The work is about making it manageable. Um, also asking yourself, is this rooted in reality. There's an important part of mental health where it's reality testing. Is this true? What I'm telling myself or thinking or feeling, what are the exceptions to it? What are the alternatives? Uh, our brains have a negativity bias. Our brains personalize, our brains catastrophize. It's, our brains are there to protect us and that works against us at times. So remember that um, mental health is a lot of different causes and we can work with it. There's no bad emotions, um, but you do want to be aware of sudden changes. That could be a sign that like 
there might be something situationally or contextually happening in my life that needs addressing. But at the same time, expect our mental health to go up and down. There's no such thing as I just want to get to a place where I'm never, ever sad or anxious. That's not really going to happen. We don't live in a world where that makes sense. So we have to be willing to have each day or throughout the day different feelings based on all the different things that we're thinking or all the different things that are going on around us. But we want to make that manageable and workable. We're trying to keep it within the range of workability. And we can do that by, again, asking ourselves, whatever I'm feeling, what am I thinking? There's always a thought tied to what we're feeling. What story am I telling myself? Oh, I open the app, dating app, and I feel bad. Okay, well, what's your thinking? Well, your thinking is probably something like, I don't like the options here. I'm never going to find anyone. I'm going to be alone forever. Always ask yourself, what is, what is the thought process? Or what am I thinking tied to whatever emotion I'm feeling that I don't feel good about? And we can work with that thinking. Is that accurate? Are you dramatizing, catastrophizing? Can you really say that? What's the evidence for that? What's the evidence against that? Because a lot of times your thinking is wrong. It's usually very catastrophic. It's usually not likely or probable what you're thinking. And it's usually not rooted in reality. We have to work with it a little bit. And then sometimes we have to just say, listen, that's true. But at the same time in living in reality, I want to acknowledge what I am thankful for and what is going well. Because at all times, it's a little bit of both. And we want to be living and feeling from the totality. You know, it's like someone might have passed and you're having a hard day in your morning, but there also might be some moments where joy is accessible and it would be more honest and more reality-based to allow those moments of joy, holding both. Um, it doesn't have to be one or the other. We can hold both. Um, another thing is not tying our self-worth or our full self-esteem to outcome. And I still see that. People feeling bad that they don't have the house, people feeling bad that they don't have the right job, people feeling bad that they didn't meet their you know, goal weight, all these different things that are form-based and shouldn't be where we're looking to figure out who we are and what our worth is. We have to also always ask ourselves, how am I living in the world? Am I living a life of purpose and meaning? Um, because form isn't reliable. When our self-esteem or our confidence of our worth is tied to a material thing, those things come and go. And those things, as we talked about, when we were talking about happiness, give us, give us bursts of joy, but they don't provide sustainability. The positive impact of buying and having things wears off within a certain window of time once we have it. It isn't something we can tie our ongoing future happiness or worth to. And then it keeps us on the hamster wheel because when it starts to water down or wear off, we need to find something new to tie our worth or our happiness to. And that's why it's really about coming back to contentment, which I'll do another show on that. We talked about that a while back. Go to wearechannelq.com, scroll down, look for Loveline, and you can find that topic. We were talking about happiness and contentment and how that's really the winning formula. Um, so we're not going to drop much deeper into that, but really ask yourself, like, what is it that I look around at in my life and use, what am I looking around in my life at and that I'm using to determine my worth or my success? And is that something that I can count on, that I can trust on always being there? And what would happen if I lost it? What would I then look to? And you'll realize a lot of the things that we're tying our identity or our worth or our self-esteem to are very, very, very fragile, not sustainable, maybe time limited. Um, I always say that with people that reach a certain body shape or size and they're like, oh, I feel really great. I'm like, great, hold on to that while you can because you might get injured, disability might happen, depression, finances where you can't keep it up, uh, whatever. And so enjoy, but that can't be what our enduring, ongoing worth and sense of self is tied to. Dun, 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 dun. I know. <laughs> That's hard. Um, but it's important work.
when we tie to something that has endurance and sustainability, like the kind of person we are, having a life of purpose and meaning, and all of these more internal pieces, that's always with us, you know, and being around people that reflect back our worth and value and share those similar values. So it's really hard to hold on to this when we're living in a world that doesn't honor or value that. And that goes back to what I said, that a lot of our mental health is not genetically caused. It's tied to the social environment in which we're a part and the meaning we're making out of things. All right, we're going to come back and do some DMs, y'all. So uh, stick around for that. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. All right, y'all, we are back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I've been dating this guy for eight months. We were both in a pandemic relationship. And when things started to reopen, we broke up with our exes. Oh, wait a second. We were both in. Okay, got it, got it, got it. So both of you had been with people during the pandemic then things opened, you broke up with them. Got it. I misunderstood. Now it's eight months after all those breakups and you're with this person. Got it. He just asked me the other day if he thinks, he just asked me the other day if he thinks, that's an odd way to say that. Anyway, he asked me the other day if I think, I guess it should be that we should move in together. And I didn't have the best reaction. So I'm going to assume that your face or your words communicated, I don't think that's a good idea. Eight months in, okay. Um, I just remembered how awful it was during the pandemic to live with someone I barely really knew. And now he's asking me to do it again. Is this a common thing that people are feeling? So it's always interesting. The question isn't, should I, the question isn't, how do I, you know, better communicate? The question is, is this a common thing people are feeling? Um, that it's hard for them to imagine living with someone they barely know. Yeah. I think that's a horrible idea. 
<laughs> if you're not ready to live with someone, don't. And because remember, you don't have to live with someone. Like that's this unconscious pressure. This idea that if we've been together for a length of time, at some point we have to live together. No, you don't. You don't ever have to live together. Not eight months in, not 10 years in. So I want to remind you that. Be where you are. And if you're saying right now at eight months, right now at five years, right now at 10 years, it doesn't feel like a good idea, don't. Look, ideally, we shouldn't live with each other because that brings up issues that we wouldn't have to deal with were we to live separately. If you live separately but spend time at each other's places, you don't get into fights about the garbage and dishes and all these other little things. It's a better, better structure, but I appreciate that people want support, more time together, more intimacy, more companionship, so we move in. I get it, but I just wanna remind you, you don't have to, and it's gonna add more stress and complexity. Rarely does it make things easier, unless maybe you've been living long distance, and even then it can get harder. So what does that mean? Well, it means your answer is no. <laughs> it means you should ask this other person, what does moving in together mean for you? So I can understand what does it mean to you? And why is that important to you? You want this person to feel heard and understood. So at least hold some space for that. And you can still say to them, I get it. I love that. I'm not ready. You can say to them, I, I still am concerned because of what happened last time. And that has to be acceptable. I'll never agree that someone should say, okay, well, if you're not ready to move in, then I guess we shouldn't keep going. No, it just means right now I'm not ready and I might be down the road. And the value of our relationship is not in whether or not we move in together. The value of a relationship isn't in whether or not we take a next step because there doesn't have to be. I will never agree that we should always be pressuring someone to take the next step. Be where you are. If it's about trust and commitment, I'm assuming you have that. And these other milestones of marriage and moving in together and children and shared bank accounts, they don't promise anything. They don't bring inherently more trust or intimacy. There's tons of people with more trust, care, and intimacy that are never married. And there's tons of people that are married with shared bank accounts and kids, and they have no love, no trust, and no intimacy. Because those things can exist with or without these milestones. Those milestones are just what we do as good Americans because we think it's expected of us to show the world that we're adults and we're serious. But that's the wrong reason to do something. Do it because you actually want to and do it because you think there's actual meaning and value in doing so. And that's why I want you to say that to your partner. Help me understand what it means to you to live together. Help me understand why that's important to you. Because you can say right now, that doesn't sound good to me. Not because of you, but because that's not what I want in my life right now. I want to give us more time because Dr. Chris told me that if we move in together, we're adding complexity <clears throat> and stressors that wouldn't exist otherwise. I don't want to take that on right now. Things are going so well. Why change the structure? Just because we're friends doesn't mean we should be lovers. Just because we're friends with benefits doesn't mean we should date exclusively. Just because we're dating exclusively doesn't mean it's, it's going to be a good idea to move in together. When we change the structure or the rules, things sometimes no longer work. It's working because of everything we're doing right now, and it might be working because you don't live together. So if, remind this person, if you really want this relationship to continue to be great, we should keep doing what we're doing because that we can count on. We can't count on the changes we make being good for us. That, becomes, that means you're willing to risk losing each other. It's up to you. Let me know how that goes. All right, y'all, that is our show. We'll be back tomorrow night. So if you've got some questions for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Topics, questions, things you want us to hit, circle back, drop deeper into. We love hearing from y'all. Spend the rest of the night, though, focused on tons of pleasure, tons of rest, tons of self-care, kindness to you and those around you. As always, y'all, thanks for hanging out, and you enjoy the rest of your night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.